Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thanks, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 159. And I'd also like to welcome WeatherTech, the uh, laser-measured interior floor uh, protection folks. They are our newest MotorWeek sponsor, and we want to welcome them to both MotorWeek on television and MotorWeek here on our podcast. And around our table today, we have Dave Scrivener, our executive producer and head writer, Hello. Hello. There he is. Special guest. Our writer, producer, Brian Robinson. What's up, John? Our assistant road test producer, Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. And our video producer and editor and the producer of our podcast, Joe Ligo. Glad to be here. And let's see, we're... Joe's sitting over there uh, monitoring our live on Facebook uh, big phone. telecast today. And so if you've got a question for us, if you're out there, make sure we know it. Uh, we're going to be doing a lightning round, viewer question, rant and ray. But first and foremost, we'll run down some vehicles and the fact that we are fresh back from the 2017 New York International Auto Show. So let's talk about that first. Okay, uh, Dave Scrivener and I were actually at the show, and uh, Greg Carlos and Brian were back here monitoring everything and putting stuff up on the Internet and doing the scripts. Uh, start with you, Greg. From afar, what was the most impressive uh, vehicle that you saw at the show or the most notable? I mean, I don't think I could call myself a car enthusiast without mentioning the Dodge Demon first. I mean, uh, that actually was revealed uh, the night before, which right. seems like everybody's doing now. We've talked yeah. about that all uh, every other auto show that thing was uh made quite the show and after months of teasing we finally got to see something so for me that was finally the payoff 840 horsepower and lots of smoke and they cl- they kept saying that it's actually nhra it's illegal if you run it nhra because it's under 10 seconds it's too and you, fast man you technically need a roll cage for that but nobody's gonna be running under 10 seconds yeah i have to i, I wonder how quickly we're gonna actually get to put that uh, claim to the test. Dave Scrivener, you walked around the floor like I did and pretty much wore out your shoes. I spent most of the day with the TV crew uh, shooting all the cars. We shot like 48 cars for the segment coming up. Anything uh, just knock your socks off? I like being an old fart. I like the Buick uh, Regals that uh, the uh, wagon they have yeah, now. The, and, uh, X-Torex. the uh, Torex. Is it necessary and to be an old fart bag. to like a Buick? <laughs> I don't think so. I think the styling was great for those things. And the Sportback hatchback had a huge cargo bay. Now, now do we call that a a hatchback or a liftback or a a fastback? What's what's the? I consider it a hatchback. I don't know. I call it a five door hatch. Yeah. So, but that's kind of neat. But I'm not sure what the market is for wagons anymore. I mean, it's beautiful as it is. Are they going to sell a wagon or one? You know, Outback does pretty well for Subaru, and uh, I think they're looking to give them a little bit of competition. But they, I, I can't imagine that they expect they'll sell that many. But I don't know. Will it be an all-wheel drive version? Yes, that's what the Tourex is. It comes standard with it. Now, the 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 hatchback you can get in in uh, front drive or. Uh, all-wheel drive. Brian Robinson, anything um, strike your fancy? I was intrigued by the uh, um, the Lincoln. The Navigator. Yes, Navigator. Uh, you know, when it first came out, it was kind of the same time as the Escalade came out, but the Escalade has pretty much owned that uh, market. So it, we'll it'll be interested to see if Lincoln can kind of claim a little bit. It's, of that. It sure is yeah. big. 
But it's all aluminum. It's lighter weight. It's got the Raptors twin turbo six in there. It's got all the the space inside about that the expedition. When I talked about it on our various social media, the biggest comment is always, and this goes to the to the Continental too. It's like I want the V8. I don't want a turbo V6. It just seems like most people when they think of a Lincoln. They need a V8 or one of V8, and I can't say I blame them. It's Is that a, a victim weird. of cafe standards, having to go to the sixes now? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I think with a Navigator like the Continental, the interesting part is the inside. I'm kind of the, – uh, the exterior is just kind of like underwhelming for me, but the interior is the cool part. Well, that was the whole seats. idea of the concept when they had the the uh, gullwing doors on it, which this one does not have, by the way. Yeah, no steps that fold out. Uh, SUVs were clearly um, everywhere. The uh, most interesting, I thought, was the to me was the um, finally Genesis is rolling out its um, SUV. The first one will be their biggest one, the QV80, which sort of seems like a um, GV80. GV80. Sorry, I've, I've got Infinity, uh, Infinity on QX80 on the brain. Well, that, that's and probably that seems, on purpose, and yeah. I think that's exactly <laughs> on purpose. Over Infinity, they had a, a QX80 a monograph or concept, which was okay. But the um, the Genesis I thought was very interesting. <laughs> Moving right along, take that as you will. <laughs> uh, the, they had a, it was a hydrogen fuel cell powered, but of course that's not going to be the way it is. But it was a it was a good looking vehicle, but it was awfully big. And let's see, uh, Range Rover brought the Velar, which they had already shown in Geneva. And uh, but yeah, Navigator Subaru. was pretty impressive. Oh, Subaru, Subaru Ascent. Te- the, uh, Subaru Ascent. brought the uh, the unveiled a three row SUV, the Ascent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, big very too. bold styling for Subaru. Um, Tell your story. I managed to bump into uh, Ralph Gilles, the chief designer for FCA, and asked his opinion of it. He said, well, it certainly is bold. <laughs> I would have had my designers lift the pen a little sooner. That's what he said. <laughs> well, so that I was, was like, a great hmm. comment. <laughs> All right, so New York International Auto Show, I thought, I think collectively, Dave and I thought it was a very, very solid show. And oh. frankly, that now gives us a, a couple of really good shows. Yeah, we have a, a viewer question here. Michael wants to know, and I, I think I already know the answer. Is, was there anything about a Jeep Wrangler pickup? People are dying to know. Well, it's we all know it's coming. Uh, there wasn't anything there about there was nothing it. The only thing the they had was the Trackhawk, which is the They had two uh, trim editions of the Jeep Wrangler. They had the, the Chief, which was a bright... Retro blue color, yeah. and they had. Um, but nothing on a new Wrangler. The Trackhawk was Jeep's well, we biggest know that, thing. We know, you know, there's been lots of spy photos of the new Wrangler coming out. We know that they're going to be building a pickup. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, I think 19 is, is the target date, so probably we'll see it. Frankly, along with the new Ranger at Detroit's Auto Show. Next, yeah, uh, I think what we latest, what we don't know is whether it's going to be on that Wrangler right. platform or, or just a, on a, a Ram, Ram platform. platform. Yeah. Uh, one rumor had it being built in the same plant as they're converting to RAM, yeah. so that would that would make it being on a a, a full frame platform. I mean, so if I don't they think made, if they made a new Dakota sized RAM to compete with Chevy and Ranger and all that stuff, I mean, I guess it would make sense to have a Jeep version, wouldn't it? I don't know if even half the people that are constantly on the internet talking about it buy one. They'll sell. Oh, like, yeah, that's that's the problem. Is everybody talks about it and then they'll sell. And the new Ranger. It's going to be gonna, too expensive. That's why. And the Ranger is going to be almost as big. I mean, the Ranger is going to be like the Colorado and Canyon. It's not. It's it's hardly going to be a mid-sized truck. I mean, it's going to be pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the Trackhawk for a second. That yeah. was uh, certainly a showstopper in my book. The uh, 707 horsepower all-wheel really drive cool Grand Cherokee. Is that? I guess that's going to be. 
another one above the SRT. They're still going to have the SRT, right? Yeah, yeah, but they didn't put the SRT name in it. I mean, they've got the SRT right. name in like the, the Demon, Demon had, but they right. didn't put the SRT name in the Trackhawk. And I saw the engineer for the Jeep Cherokee there, or Grand Wagoneer in Cherokee, and he said it might be a better track car than the the Challenger Hellcat because of the all-wheel drive system. It won't be sideways all the time. It'll actually just grip and go and hit the gas. Four patches. A vehicle that uh, really was at New York, uh, was at New York last year, and we finally got our chance to actually spend more than a few minutes with it, is the 2017 Lincoln Continental. I guess my question is, with all the hype, with the concepts, uh, the fact that they were rolling them out and selling them as fast as they can, but they really basically didn't make them widely available to the press right away. How did we feel about the Continental once we got in it? Who wants to start, Brian? Um, I thought uh, mostly positive. Um, I mean, I think it looks great, um, with the exception of a few interior details that were maybe disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, I thought it was good. The ride, I think, was the real highlight for me. I mean, it has... It rode like you would, you know, you would want a Lincoln flagship to ride, something that they haven't had for quite a while. Greg? Yeah, I came away uh, impressed by it. Um, I think I was maybe a little less enamored than some of the other staffers about the interior. I was probably one of the first to pick out some of the things I didn't like. Uh, there's some cheapest feeling material, cheapest looking material. Like the dash pad. Yeah, and even even the switch gear, some of that just didn't feel great. Uh, but it's well laid out. There's good redundant controls. Um, they finally figured out their sync system. It works better. I mean, that's been in other in Ford uh, products. Um, rode well, a, a ton of power from the V6. You know, it was interesting when you took a corner, the car would sort of like dive a little bit, mm-hmm. like it was uh, a real soft suspension, but then mm-hmm. it stiffened right up and you got through quite well. I yeah. mean, it was a lot sportier, a lot more enjoyable to drive than I thought yeah, it would Yeah, it reacted well. I think the steering was a little heavier than I was expecting, and that was all the time, even when you were just... In a parking lot. I thought they did a really good job of putting a lot of redundant buttons and so forth so you could either do the touchscreen or that. And I would like to think that Cadillac ought to be looking at that because they've gone the other way with so minimal controls. I thought the Lincoln did a good job. What did you think that. of the seats? I know um, we are in and out of cars so much it's hard to find that comfort zone and with this one there's like a million yeah. different configurations so <laughs> yeah. i was never able to find it but it's it's i mean if you had time to I'm i think sure if you were an owner you it, could yeah. probably do it it is the, it the most adjustable seat on sale right now or something i know i was talking on twitter the people who supply the components to lincoln i got into a conversation with them on twitter and yeah they said it's the most complicated seat mechanism they've ever built i believe it which I mean, it did have like 30 different types of adjustments. So. Mm-hmm. You said it was certainly comfortable. I drive the Beltway every day, and, and it was very comfortable for me. I didn't spend a whole lot of time adjusting it. I kind of just get in the car and go and make sure I can reach the pedals. I think our overall impression was that it was a much better car than we expected. However, at the you know when you start talking about you know loading it up and you're getting way up there in price, you wonder if it's quite up to some of its European competition, but it's much better than I think we thought it was going to be. Yeah, good Spe- for Lincoln. Speaking of Europe, we have a, a question for one of our viewers on Facebook Live. Brian wants to know, 
Brian's right here. No, di- different Brian. Different Brian wants to know that you know since Lincoln is kind of showing a renewed enthusiasm, is there going to be any kind of continental coupes or anything to compete with European brands? You know, coupes are a big. <sighs> well, sure. You know, if you if you look look at what Cadillac did, it took Cadillac what 15 years to do a quote unquote comeback, and after they got all the basics out, then they did a coupe, which doesn't Ready sell for very a Mark well. 10? You know, who knows? <laughs> the way think, the industry is going, they'll probably call. They'll probably make a coupe. They'll make a two-door coupe, and then they'll put four doors on the two-door right. coupe. Yeah, they'll yeah, still yeah. call it a and, coupe. And they'll lift it and call it like a cross coupe. You the know Lincoln I mean? version of the cr- Mustang, I think, would be awesome. Oh, well, yeah. Like Dave said, a Mark 10, you know. All right, let's move on to uh, a real uh, futuristic car that's here today, the 2017 Honda Clarity Fuel Cell. Greg, you, we just talked about, um, well, we didn't talk about it, but at the auto show in New York, they've actually added both a plug-in hybrid and a pure EV to the um, Clarity lineup. But you've actually spent time in the uh, first model out, the Clarity Fuel Cell. Impressions. I mean, a lot of people think that a fuel cell vehicle is somehow a new animal when in reality it's basically an EV that uses a fuel cell for power uh, instead of batteries. But what did it, it didn't exactly drive like a pure EV, did it? No, it's definitely different. Um, and that comes from stepping on the accelerator. Uh, in an EV, you get all the power instantly, and it really comes on pretty hard. Um, and this one, it's a little bit more linear. There is some pretty good torque down low, which I was excited about. Um, but it is, it's more linear. You got to step into it and it'll grow and grow and grow. Um, and that's what most people are used to in a gas powered car. Um, one of the biggest feats is really that this is like an accord level of space here. I mean, they, they've moved the, uh, fuel cell unit up front. It's they, all under the hood now. Right. Yeah. It's all under the hood. They've, uh, the, and another big problem is the, the tank itself for the hydrogen has to be pretty big. They've added another one, a smaller one, and it goes under the rear seat. So the rear seat room is phenomenal. I mean, you I don't have a big great battery leg room, pack right? Yeah, great leg room. Headroom was fine. Um, so I was impressed with how much it felt just like a standard, big sedan the unfortunate thing is i mean if you really want one you got to live in california <laughs> and the styling is not <laughs> well, mainstream I, at I all i wanted to ask about the styling it's got like these fender skirts and other weird stuff yeah. i mean does a few do you think they're trying to make it look futuristic th- on purpose? oh that's all aero like, yeah. or is it yeah it's, i was gonna say how aero. much of it is function how much of it is they they say it's all function i mean they have air curtains going around there's air flowing all over the place and they really go through in depth and tell you what everything is for and I agree with Dave. I didn't. I don't. I still don't really like the styling, but it grew on me after looking at it. And yeah, it the fender skirts just, just kill me in the back. It yeah, just it's looks too like an old Cadillac. It's <laughs> hard to get used to. You know, when you, you look at the fact that they have, ex- at least they're saying that they're they're going to have a clarity for everybody. I think I'm. I have to say I'm impressed with that. Even though we all acknowledge their EV with what an 80 mile range is hardly competitive with, with a lot of the other things in the out game, there. at least. They admit that their volume vehicle is going to be the plug-in hybrid. But getting back to fuel cells, you've got now you've got the Toyota Mirai. You've got the uh, Tucson hybrid, hybrid from Hyundai. You've got this. They're available. There's no infrastructure for fuel. And I don't think America is alone in that. Do our, what are automakers doing? Why are they spending so much emphasis on this? I mean, this this vehicle took a ton of development money. Yeah. I mean, General Motors had a had a 
was it Equinox? They had hydrogen fuel yeah. cell from leveling around testing them, and it, it went nowhere. I haven't seen one. And the way Honda was describing it, and I'll try to do my best to remember, as it was a couple of weeks ago, is that they see the problem of energy as not being a one solution problem. Great. It's a, it's a multi -solution that. I think that's, that's right. there's no silver Reasonable. bullet. Right. So it's like let's try and develop this technology, and maybe it'll take off, but we at least have to explore it and try and make it work. We can't just immediately assume it's not going to work, and I think that's how they're approaching it. And the other advantage over the EV is that it's over 300 miles of range, exactly. and you can refuel it in five minutes versus if you plugging it station. in. It has more Correct. range than any electric car you can buy today. If the stations show up, the they have Tesla. one ready for it. Well, and then the other thing about development dollars, you aside from the fuel cell and the hydrogen tanks, all the electric motor and transmission, all that stuff, they could put into an all into a battery EV, which, so, which they are. So you know, I guess maybe their management going thinking, modular with a power source, right? So. Management thinking, well, even if the fuel cell doesn't work out, all the money we spend on the rest of the powertrain is not lost. Sure. If and they I think that's exactly a, right. They, you know. they made a big deal at the auto show by saying, really, everything's under the hood, just like. You know, and and we can put. That means we could take that powertrain, and they were probably talking about the the um, hybrid powertrain as much, and put it in any other vehicle because they've already said, look for a Ridgeline that's a plug-in hybrid. Look for look for plug-in hybrids across their lineup because they've now got this packaging. It's certainly out. a CRV would be a candidate and for. And the hydrogen, another little incentive there is that you, if you buy the Clarity, you don't have to pay for fuel because they give you right off the bat $15,000 towards fuel costs because hydrogen is more expensive when you compare it to gasoline. Really? So you yeah. get free fuel for, I mean, how far it's does three, 15 well, grand it's, get it's you? It's a three-year lease, and they say that the 15000 should cover you for the three years. Gosh, I mean, it's from, you know, totally free fuel. Because really. it's also, you're, I mean, you're on limited to a mileage. You're tied to that right. stations, too. It makes me want to move to L.A. No, not really. Not really. All right, let's move along, actually, to the uh, next segment in today's podcast, our lightning round. Oh, Two boy. minutes. We uh, give ourselves to debate a trending automotive topic, and at the time, uh, Joe will cut us off when we get there. Okay, we all we talked about the uh, Regal a little bit, so let's go back to it. Uh, 2018 Buick Regal. Uh, it's going to be in a liftback uh, called the Regal Sportback, as real as the Tour X. Why are they doing it? Well, there's no Regal sedan. They're following Chrysler with the 200, dropping the sedan. Lots of people think other sedans, uh, midsize sedans, uh, might be on life support because midsize sedans have been falling. Is this really the demise of the sedan, or is it just this particular size of sedan, the mid-size? What's your sense of where America is going, as if we didn't already know? Brian? Uh, I'm definitely not a predictor of trends or even follower of current trends. But uh, it's hard to say. I don't think the sedan's going away. Most of it, to me, is, it seems all about marketing, you know. We call sedans coupes and coupe sedans and hatchbacks crossovers. So uh, I don't know. I think there will always be a place for a four-door. And I think the sedan being lowered to the ground for the older folks who can't get into an SUV or a crossover. My mother can't get into one. She drives a, a sedan now, and she needs that for just for access to it. I think that's actually part of the appeal of the uh, Buick Tour X. The As Regal the population ages, they can still get your, your utility for their wheelchairs or, or walkers. <laughs> Greg, but is it all crossovers all the time? You got to get out, though. Yeah. I mean, to, to talk. 
So I'm um, sorry. What was? Is what it was all crossovers all the time now? I, you know, Americans? I think I think for my generation, it is honestly. I don't see anybody who really goes out and looks for a sedan. I think maybe they fall into the sedan category once they go out and look and realize, well, I can get this. I can cheaper. afford a sedan. Exactly. Versus a crossover. Uh, but I think most they people my age go out and look for the crossovers. They want to sit up high. They want all-wheel drive in this area. But going to get a second car, they get a family and a couple of kids. They mm-hmm. want crossovers mm-hmm. for. Luggage yeah. space. So I, again, I don't see a sedan totally going away. But I mean, think about—we didn't even talk about sedans at the auto show. No, there was, and there know, were the, several. The Sonata TLX the new, was refreshed. Refresh. Yeah, Sonata refresh. Yeah. Joe, any I comments? Mean, people are really good at convincing themselves they need a crossover. I mean, I've talked because they think they need four-wheel right. drive, right? Or because they oh the, the room or the what? Like a friend of mine just bought a Subaru Crosstrek, and we have a long-term one. It's great. I love driving it. But I personally own an Impreza, and I would not. Not pay the extra three grand for a Crosstrek just for ground clearance and fender flares, and but he was so convinced when he bought it that he needed that extra. Oh, well, I might go camping, or oh, I, or I might go dog. buy a big box TV. Right. My is, wife's convinced she wants all-wheel drive in her next car. We're shopping cross, for one now. You know, the Crosstrek and the Impreza are literally the same interior volume and the same all-wheel drive system. It's just that little bit of ground clearance that he was willing to spend that. Extra well, for money. my wife, it's, it's, it's the sitting position to sit up higher and see traffic better, not feel lost down the shuffle like in a Mazda 3 we have also. True. It's just too low to the ground for her vision. She drives the Yukon Denali and loves it sitting up high. My, my soapbox is that the sedan is not dead, but what's happened is midsize sedans have gotten so big, they're now as big as full-size cars used to be, which was never a huge market. And the compacts are now basically what we used to call midsize. Many of them qualify as midsize. And the compact sedan market still actually doing pretty well. I think that, I think that might be where all the mid mid-sized sedan I sales are going. The mid-sized people are saying more money for that I can go buy a crossover or an SUV. You know, we're almost to the point of even retiring the crossover name now because everybody calls them SUVs. Anyway, how are we doing on time there, Joe? That was it, yeah. We're that long past. That was good. Viewer question. Uh, this one's from Jim in California. When we're not traveling, our 99 F-250 uh, stays nice and safe in our garage. We have babied it from the first day we purchased it in 98. However, we often volunteer at campground as campground hosts and have to battle critters from seeking warmth, gnawing on the wires, or gathering nesting materials from our engine's underbay hood insulation. Can you offer any tips about keeping chipmunks and other uninvited guests from hopping aboard? Dave Scrivener, you know a lot about this. I'm working on this very question for a Goss segment coming up. We'll be hitting it in June. And um, there are several devices, like ultrasonic devices, that will emit the, the noise they don't like. Um, and I found, interestingly, Honda sells or markets a, a, a Honda-branded tape infused with capsaicin, which is the stuff in hot peppers that makes you burn, your, burn tongue. your tongue. Burn your tongue. They wrap it around this tape, and then the mice won't gnaw into it because it drives them crazy. Do you wrap it around the wires? The, the wiring looms and things like that. <laughs> the, 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 the whole car in it. Yeah. I think the problem is they're using soy-based 
uh, insulation yeah. for the wires to be green and, and seat fabrics and all kinds of stuff under the hood. It's it's mouse food. <laughs> I've been living with it in a 2003 Ranger, and every year for the last three years, I've had something gnawing through something because it sits outside. It was uh, electric wires one year. Last year was uh, emissions hose, and this year I don't know what it is, but the dash lights are back on again. They do say if you use the stuff to warn your mechanic that there is pepper spray under the hood, they don't they wear gloves or something from the car. They don't now, burn it is the case, or, though. It's not just like these people have dirty car interiors and mice are going in to get it crumbs. It's like the engine bay. The actual where the car itself is, is now food. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the is car mine. is food. There are <laughs> materials you can... When I'm close to cars now. There are materials you can wrap around, hoses and so forth, that are like, um, you know... Like a, a steel wool, but I don't know. Even bronze wool doesn't rust, so we've yeah, used that to, to chink the cracks in your garage. Maybe don't put food in your garage. Aluminum obviously. foil works as well. I know squirrels and chipmunks will get after your gas lines on your mm -hmm. gas grill because they like that rubber on those as well. And people say rub, uh, wrap those in aluminum foil that keeps them away. So that's a good piece yeah, of we advice. Had, we had the same problem. My dad had a backhoe that uh, groundhog climbed up inside and decided to have a snack and then die and then you know i had to help clean it out and then <laughs> thank you joe for that to bring us all down joe see yeah. his excuse was you, you have smaller hands so you can reach in there and fix all the wires and i don't have to so that was i was the lucky guy on that jim one. i hope that gives you a little bit of insight not sure if it was too much useful information but go out and get some hot peppers <laughs> uh, rant and raves anybody want to add anything to our normal list of uh looking at uh, just how awful people drive these days uh, I got. I had a uh, scenario yesterday in a parking lot. So we'll talk about parking lot etiquette. Uh -oh. um, I had pulled into a space, and um, at the end of every row of spaces, there's also there's that hashed out spot mm -hmm. where they do not want you to park. And everybody always For parks a reason. there, right? See, somebody had parked there. I guess assuming because I don't want to cross the 20 feet street and then park over there and walk the extra bit. So. They had parked directly behind me, and as I'm backing out our Pacifica, I got to make a three-point back out because there's just no space. So I understand you want to get the best po uh, possible parking space, and everybody has that feeling, oh, well, the rules don't apply to me because I follow every other rule. Well, you know, there's a reason these rules are here, and it just it's really courteous to other people if you could just follow them as best you can. People, people you know, yesterday coming off the train from New York— we come out, and we're trying to load the crew into the, whatever I was driving, the, the CX-9. And here's this fellow waiting for someone from the train. And he pulls up about seven feet from the curb, you know, halfway across the lane. His door's open. He's out on his phone. The bus is taking people from the train. Can't He's in the crosswalk. They can't turn. He's absolutely oblivious. Just stands there, big smile on his face. And it's like, we're all like, you know, dude, you're you're blocking the street. The buses can't turn. You're acres from the curb. There's no etiquette. So There's no but, common but sense. But do you think that's like pleading ignorance? Because maybe he's somebody who doesn't. Because we all travel a lot and we all Ignorant know Ignorant is how, a good word. Yeah, it's just he just – and I'm not excusing it, but maybe it's just that he just doesn't know. And I find myself getting mad at people like this too. Like at the airport, the same thing. If you don't know how to go through security – because I go through right. it way more than most people do, and then you get mad at them just because yeah. they don't know. Well, I think you're being you're being very. I, I think very, the mindset uh, people kind. I think the mindset people have is I've forgiven so many other people for bad driving. I'm allowed to be a bad. Exactly. Right. <laughs> if you so go. I think I think that's the problem. You think I've put up with this so for so long. It's my turn to be a bad driver, and I think that's what they do. 
people are just oblivious. So I've had it twice in the last week in the town I live in, parallel park or yeah, trying to parallel park. You know, you signal way ahead of time. People are right on your bumper. And by the time you get to where you can pull in, they're right on your bumper. Someone's right on their bumper. So and you can't, you literally can't park. So then you got to go around the block. They're not paying attention. People aren't paying attention. And then yeah. the third person's like, "Ooh, spot." Yeah. It's like, well, even even when you're parked, you're since we're on in. that, what gets me is the people that thank goodness most cars now have backup cameras and sensors because they will walk. They, you've got your backup lights on. You're in reverse. They walk right behind you. They don't. They're and they're. Pulling their children with them. There's and no cell phone. concept. Cross on traffic, their cell phone. Rear cross traffic alert, I swear, is my favorite technology, I think. You're right. I think. Yeah, L listen to the beeps. Well, that was a very good one. I want to thank everybody around the table for a very good uh, rant and rave session, as long with the rest of the podcast today. And I want to thank uh, our newest sponsor on Motor Week, WeatherTech, for coming on board. And our audio engineer, who is... Uh, Dave Wainwright today, and Dave's making sure that we're sounding loud and clear. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and of course, we mentioned that Joe Ligo is our podcast uh, producer. To all of you out there, thanks very much for listening to our podcast and for being big fans of Motor Week on public television stations, Velocity, and on YouTube. Till next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, what's the old saying from uh, uh, Hill Street Blues? Uh, be careful out there. Yes. We'll see you then. <laughs> see you then. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. <laughs>